Welcome to the Life Unlimited Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice so you can confidently live your life your way for life. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello, and welcome to Life Unlimited with Larry Heller from Heller Wealth Management. Larry, it's so good to see you. How are you? Oh, great to see you too, Eric. I am doing terrific on this beautiful summer morning. Well, I know that we were talking before we hit the record button. You've got some time off coming up. What are you doing? Well, I'm just taking I'm taking a couple of days for uh, you know July Fourth weekend. So nice. uh, so nice. it's Thursday. So I'm just taking Friday. So looking forward to a nice four day weekend. Oh, beautiful. Well, before we get to that four day weekend, I know that you've got a guest on the show, and you've given me the honor of introducing your guest. Our guest today is George Jurgen, a mindset mentor serving retiring baby boomers. As a formal financial advisor, George is on a mission to help retirees create a plan for their later years, which is about much more than money. For him, it is all about making a difference and helping those heading for retirement recreate a life of purpose, passion, and potential that reflects how we live today, fit, healthy, active, and socially engaged. George has authored 11 books. That's incredibly impressive. I don't know if I've read 11 books, but George has authored 11 <laughs> books, including his most recent release, Dare to Discover Your Purpose. George works with clients across the world from the UK, the US, Canada, as well as Australia and New Zealand. George, that is an incredibly impressive resume, my friend. So nice to meet you. I'm so glad Larry brought you on the show today. Thank you for having me. So, well, uh, so George, George comes to us today from uh, London, England. So uh, great, great for you for you to join us today, George. And before I kind of we kind of start. So a lot of our clients are baby boomers closing in on retirement, and you know we handle the financial aspects of it. But a lot of we have conversations with them on kind of what they're going to do in retirement, especially now where people are living a lot longer. You know, I wrote a book on retirement and call it the second act. So uh, when I came across George and talking about shaping your retirement, I thought, what a great guest to bring on. And actually, George, I had a conversation with a client this morning just about that, thinking about retiring and what's going to be able to keep them alive at, when they cross over into retirement. So what a great topic to talk about. So thank you, George, for, uh, for joining us today. My pleasure. I'm delighted to be on your show, Larry. So, George, why don't, why don't you start with why don't you start with your story? Because it's a very interesting story that I think our audience would like to uh, like to hear. Okay, it was um, for me that sort of the pre and post life happened on an event that happened in January two thousand and seven. My father in law uh, had a stroke and died a week later. We were in the process of moving homes. And I was diagnosed with a bone tumor and given six months to live. So that's kind of a perfect storm. And you almost don't realize what's going on because you're in the throes of all this stuff. We were packing away, not even realizing what we were doing. We were just putting things in boxes. And, but the long and short of it was it took three weeks for the oncologist to do tests on me and stuff to confirm his diagnosis. And he had told me that in 98% of cases, bone tumor is secondary cancer, which means it's spread around your body, which means it's time out. He said, you've got six months tops. But three weeks of tests, in that three weeks, it changes your life. It changes your perception of life when you're facing the concept of death and you don't even know what death is. And um, I thought I was going to be 
truly fearful of death, but I wasn't, strangely enough. Uh, I was actually more worried about leaving my two then teenage daughters without a father. That was killing me. But in any event, three weeks, I had this, what I call my rendezvous with death, which pivoted my mind. Three weeks later, the oncologist said to me, George, you're a lucky man. You belong to the 2% club. Wow. Your bone tumor is benign, not malignant. So it's not cancerous, but it's just a random cell, giant cell that's gone nuts. And it grew the size of an eggplant sitting on my pelvis. So he said, it's very aggressive. We need to remove it. So two surgeries later, they moved, removed it. And they checked me up every three months, six months, a year, whatever it was for up to five years. So I was okay. But that event changed the course of my life because it made me realize that I'd been taking life for granted. I was cruising along, doing stuff that I thought was important, but it wasn't that important. There were more important things that I wasn't focused on. So in a sense, this crisis was an opportunity. It was a blessing in disguise. And so that was my journey. So I retired because thinking that that's the normal thing you do. And I had sufficient monies put aside, but I got involved in a litigation that I was uh, kind of pressured to, to get involved with. And I thought I can resolve this in 12 months and that will give me time to recuperate. And since, since I'm retired now, things are going to be okay. But after the first year or so of the honeymoon period in retirement, everything went downhill my self-esteem, who I am, my friendships, people move on and you can't find new people. And you're almost filling time, bit of golf here, a bit of this, a bit of that, but you're not fulfilled. I felt empty. And so I, to cut a long story short, I unretired and went on a new path to learn about mindset. How do I change my mindset? How do I change what I do? And changing my mindset led me down this path of who do I serve now, right? It's it's all very well learning a trade or something that you do, but who are you serving? And that led me to ask a lot of questions. And ultimately I decided to serve boomers like myself. Gotta tell you, boomers were not my first call because they tend to be set in their ways. They don't want to, they don't like change. But guess what? This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is what I discovered for myself. And I decided that these are the people I want to help. These are the people I want to serve. And I would not have been here if it didn't have, if I didn't have the crisis that brought me here. Yeah, awesome. And it's, it definitely life events definitely can throw a curveball and, and change how you think about life. So thank you for sharing that that's that story. And I guess that's how you've gotten on this track. So you mentioned mindset. So let's let's start with that. You know, how important is mindset in retirement? I think it's pivotal. And I would just qualify this with the first thing, you know, we, we all hear that, you know, during war, the first casualty is truth, right? Well, the first casualty in retirement is identity. But nobody knows this. Nobody understands the first casualty is identity because who we are, what we do is is our identity. And once your work ends, who are you now? That struggle of understanding who you are and not knowing that that's the problem is the beginning of the problem. 
And the reason for that is, is if you don't know who you are, you're constantly staying and trying to go back to who you were, which is now gone. You can't go back to the job you retired from. It's not going to come again. And no amount of wishful thinking is going to bring that back. But the reason we tend to cling back to that old job is because that's what gave us an identity. And so it's about understanding that identity is the beginning of the problem. Lack of it, rather, because lack of identity ends up in lack of self-esteem. Then your confidence gets hit. Then you, there's an element of shame of being in retirement. You're a nobody now. And of course, it cascades and then you avoid going out. So you start to isolate yourself, ends up with, you know, loneliness, depression. It's just a downhill um, slide. And uh, I'm going to stop you there for a second, because sure. you know, maybe that's the case. I've actually seen it more where the identity is not the first side that maybe that may come years later, because a lot of people, they've worked so hard, they've. Uh, built up a nice retirement plan. They have enough money to to live on, and they're very happy now, playing golf, traveling, spending time with their grandkids. That's what that makes them happy happy in life. So we've seen that, and some people are adjust really well. Others, it takes them a little time before they realize there's more to life than that. So, but you're saying that most people have the uh, more of the identity issues right off the start? Well, that, that's my sense. Um, you know, I, I, you do come across people who will rave about how brilliant their retirement is. My immediate sense is that believe them, they are happy where they are, but the odds are that they're still in the honeymoon phase. And if everything else is going well and the activities are there for whatever reason, then that illusion continues and can continue much longer than 18 months and two years, depending on the financial ability, the the enthusiasm for leisure and family. But ultimately, the ego of the individual, no matter how active everything and how bright and beautiful everything looks on the outside, the individual who's retired, who are they? Now, they may display and they may be unaware that there is something inside them that is feeling incomplete. It's feeling a lack. They're not addressing it. So they pile on more cruises or more things. There are huge divorce rates because people are, are, are in denial about what the, you know, the transition they're going through. And so I'm not a person to, to accuse somebody of, no, they're lying. No, they're probably you know, happy because mm-hmm. that's the state of mind they're in. Mm-hmm. But they're not seeing that their identity is compromised. And at some point, okay, because remember, identity, or let, let me reverse that. The lack of identity, which brings shame, works like termites in a house. You don't see it, but they are there and they're eating away at the woodwork. By the time you recognize what's going on, it's too late. The staircase of your self-esteem has crashed. Very difficult to bring it back again, five, seven years into retirement. But if you recognize that retirement is a crisis in the true sense of the word, because it's a turning point in life. If you recognize that retirement is a crisis, 
and you recognize who you were is gone, um, you need to recreate a new identity that's not necessarily comparable to what you were, because this isn't a linear flow. It's more of a quantum flow. So let me explain. Think of a caterpillar and a butterfly situation. Okay. The caterpillar knows it's a caterpillar. As soon as it builds the cocoon and it's in the cocoon, it's no longer a caterpillar, but it's not a butterfly yet. It's what's called the caterpillar soup. And retirement is like being in that cocoon. There's, it's the liminal space. It's that space, that in-between space, between and betwixt, right? You're neither here nor there. You're in the middle of the ocean. Uh, you've lost sight of the port that you came out of, but you have no sight of new land. You're stuck in this position. And here is the difficult patch because the old you, the caterpillar, is dissolving, it's breaking down. And the new fractals that will create the butterfly uh, are waiting for this mush to reconfigure. And, and so in that liminal space, which is a difficult space to be in, we avoid it like the plague. You'll find retired people will go out buy new fast cars. They'll buy, they're trying to avoid addressing the issue. They don't want to face it. They'll find a new a younger woman, etc. Or a younger man. Or a younger man. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Um, now you've done some work on this to get some of the conclusions. You've done a pretty intensive survey. Want to explain kind of what the survey and some of the findings that you came across by doing this? Sure, Larry. Yeah. I created a, it was actually a survey, but I, it was, it was positioned as a quiz because people like doing quizzes. They don't like doing surveys. And so I had to make it entertaining and interesting, but there were nine pivotal questions demographic and also psychological questions in there. I think it was 20, the CNBC article said 15,000, but it's actually 23,000 people did all nine questions. So I have the data on all this. 23,000? 23,000 people, individuals, yeah. And good amount. That's a good amount of, it, of a I, survey. I think study. statistically, it's probably, um, you know, way up there because most, most, even most insurance companies go up to 9,000 for their sort of big surveys. But in any event, 23,000 people completed this. And my data shows that 50%, this is the one pivotal question. What is your single biggest challenge in retirement? 50% were retired, 50% were not retired yet. But out of this group of 23,000 people, 49 or 50% said health was the number one challenge for them. 35% to, said fear of outliving their savings. And 15% said lack of purpose, aimlessness. So that's the position of where they are now. When I asked two questions later, if you had a magic wand and you could address your single biggest challenge, which would it be for you? Again, 50% said health. But this time, 35% said purpose. And 15% said outliving your savings. 
So it's an interesting change that where they find themselves is, a, is you know, that number. But when you can take action on something, they choose to address purpose, 35% address purpose. But there's also underlying issues here under here is that when it comes, if you have purpose, and, and in my CNBC article, I mentioned about that gerontology study where people with purpose last longer, live longer, have a healthier life and a more engaging life than people who don't have a purpose. I would guess both physically and mentally. Absolutely. And I'd even go further. Um, It's, I think a lot of the health issues, of course, there are health issues which are chronic and there's no going back on, but the vast majority of people who worry about their health, they worry about it because they've got plenty of time to worry about it. If they were engaged doing something with purpose, serving, um, which for remuneration or otherwise, and there's no reason to see why they wouldn't get remunerated for the work they do, especially if it's work they love, um, they're very likely to get paid for it because people will want them. So those who are actually engaged mentally in work, they're engaged also socially. It's all feeding into better mental health, better emotional health. You know, with all the money in the world sitting at home, you know, by your pool or going on one cruise after another, isn't going to give you that feeling. And you ask yourself, why do very wealthy people not retire? Mm -hmm. They recreate themselves because they know if they retire, they're dead meat. It's time. It's time out. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I've seen it too. The the people that work longer, especially you know, mentally re- maintain sharpness, less likely to have cognitive issues where they keep the brain active. So, so you know, having a purpose and being able to do that, I'm sure, adds a lot to that. Absolutely. And to your point, um, to to your earlier question, Larry, where we're talking about, you know, you talk about growth mindset. And a fixed mindset. A fixed mindset says, I'm retired. I can't see myself doing anything else. I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I, I, I just can't do it. You know, this is what I worked for all my life. This is an illusion. This is a fixed mindset. This person doesn't recognize that they've probably got another 30 years. And I'm not saying that any one of us can drop dead before the sunset, before the sunset today, but the odds are most of us are going to survive another 30 years. Mm-hmm. You cannot save enough money. Unless you're in the top 1%, you cannot save enough money to create a, a, a lifestyle that will carry you for 30 years. So what do you do? The government's not going to tell you what the right thing to do is because no politician can get elected on that. Financial advisors is outside their remit to start talking about psychological things, right? They've, they're kind of, they've got to do what they've got to do. So who's going to tell you unless... Somebody from the outside says to you, look, this is, the, this is what happens. You've got another 30 years to go. You're going to outlive your savings at the very worst possible time in your life when you need it the most. And what? You're going to go back to work at that point? So don't you yeah, want to well, call correct from now? Right. I, I think it's, you know, it, it's not. And hopefully our clients are working with us. That's not going to really be an issue about living your, your nest egg. I do think really planning for it. I mean, not all advisors we do with this. We kind of touch the surface. Like my first question to somebody is pay me a picture of your life five years from now. 
10 years from now, 20 years from now, and they'll start to answer it with financial questions. I'm saying, no, 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 paint me a picture. Let, let visualize where you, where you are and what you do. And I can quickly tell the people that have a real clear understanding and what they want to do and some type of purpose and whether it's charitable involvement, whether it's a second career in something, whether it's a hobby that they're putting a career in. And we've had all these different types of clients. Those are the people I can see are fine. And there are others who are like, I'm not really sure. I'm just want to lie on the beach. And I'm thinking, you know, that may be a little bit of a, of an issue and they need to work, need to work on that. Yeah, I, I, I tell them that, you know, what you're describing now is a vacation. That's different from retirement. It's a whole different ballgame. But no, you're absolutely right, Larry. I mean, questions are important. Um, there's a thing called appreciative inquiry. You ask that question five times and you ask them to answer it in a different way. But that still only skims the surface. In my specific program, the eight-week program, it's 12 hours so this is giving them the opportunity to really drill down because most people don't really know what they want to do after retirement. They are clueless. And anything they throw out on questions that are asked is what's on the top of their mind. It, they haven't really drilled down. A lot of it will be what other people have said. So they just repeat it thinking, yeah, I want to do the same thing. They've never really drilled down deep inside to, to discover what it is they really want to do. And generally, I say to people, and, and these are the people who want to change. Those who don't want to change, I can't help them. But the people who want to change, that one of the questions I ask Larry is, and I use Joseph Campbell, the mythologist, who used this as a question, is, uh, as a quote, was, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. Hmm. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. What are you really afraid of? And that's when you start drilling down into what their true desire is, what they really want to do. And then we start having a real conversation as we go down that path. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. So you mentioned how you help people. So, and it's much beneficial to do it before you retire, but let's talk, you have a, this program called the DARE program. So why don't you explain what that is and how it works and how that can help you really shape your mindset in retirement? Okay. Thanks, Larry. Okay. Dare. <clears throat> Dare is another word for courage. And in a sense, I think you need to muster courage, internal courage, to recognize that retiring is not really an option, that you need to unretire and postpone that retirement up to the age of 90 even. And in between is to recreate a new life for yourself, but this time really loving what you do. So you're not following what your parents might've said, go into accounting or go into some solid work that can give you an income so that you can do this. And in a sense, you've buried your dream. And it's now in that cave that we talked about that you fear to enter because you don't think you can make it now. It's too late for you. Heck, you've got 30 more years to go. If you don't do it now, when are you going to do it? You don't want to have regrets on your deathbed. This is the time now to have the courage to try out something new. And so there is courage. And for people in the consciousness business, we'll, 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 you will know that 
in terms of the muscle testing, there is the is the <clears throat> is the landing part where everything good happens above the line of dare. All the negative things, fear, shame, and all that stuff is below the courage line. But there is also an acronym. It's an acronym for discover, assimilate, rewire, and expand. Say that again. Discover, assimilate, rewire, and expand. So just a little bit on each. Discover is about discover what retirement is and what it is not. Right? People have illusions about retirement. I've studied retirement the history, why it came about, how it was used, both in terms of governments and also in terms of corporates. It's always about handcuffs. It's always about tying people down. It's never for your own benefit. In any event, this, once you recognize what retirement is, it's just the story that we've all sucked up. And that's what we've been, you know, that's what we've, our culture has grown up with. And we think that's normal. And it's like, you know, even down to the cruises and holidays, that's not what we want. That's what advertising has drip fed us toxically over the years. And then you begin to believe these stories. And what I'm saying is that you need to unbelieve these stories because that's all they are. They're just stories. So that's the D for discover. A is assimilate. Assimilate new understanding of how our mind works. We think in our culture that willpower is everything. Well, willpower is trumped, forgive the pun, it's trumped by the subconscious mind. And if we don't understand how the subconscious mind and the conscious mind work, we're not really thinking. We're working on programs. So I, I help to under, make you understand of how the mind works, both consciously and subconsciously, and how they integrate in plain English. That allows you to understand that you can rewire your mind, right? This puts you in the growth mindset as opposed to fixed mindset. I can't make it anymore. No, if you can't make it, then no one can help you. If you believe you can't make it, nobody can change your mind for you. You're the captain of your ship. You're the one who decides if you can change or not. And the only reason you say you think you can't is because you believe you can't, right? That's whether you're a miner or a CEO. And let me tell you, it's not easy for CEOs. You know, you think that they're up there, they're smart. No, it's not about smartness. They have a huge ego. They have a lot of people. They have a reputation with a lot of people. And for them to make this transition is probably more difficult than for your average person. So actually, if you're an average person, you're in a good place. So the rewire is about creating a new story for yourself. It's your life, it's your story. You can make the story you want, but it's gotta be one that you actually desire because without desire, you can't make it. So George, so this DAB program, is that like an online program? Is How does that work okay. and how long? Yeah, is it's an online program. It's, uh, there's a pre-recorded one, which is much more economical to do but more difficult because you don't have that engagement with me. And I have a live online program as well. It's an eight week, both are eight week programs, 90 minutes each with an exercise for each week. 
And at the end of the eight weeks, altogether 12 hours, at the end of eight weeks, you end up with a blueprint. Those exercises all add up and then are, if you like, culled down to a one-page blueprint, which gives you a, a working document. Now, it's not written in stone, but you now have something that you have culled from deep excavation inside you as to what you desire, what you want, and you imagine that you've already received it. There's all kinds of things that bring it out. But the essence is that if an architect is going to build a house, they can't do it without a blueprint. So what's in your head is brought down to a piece of paper. Now you have something constructive to work with. It won't be the final print, but it's a great place to start from because you've got everything out there on paper. I mean, I find it fascinating. I mean, like I said before, I'm talking about your second act. You're talking about growth and retirement and looking at it from a whole different angle than just sitting on the beach and, yeah. and enjoying. So uh, I would you know, definitely recommend you, you checking out the DARE program with, uh, with George. George, if they want to reach you, what's the best way of uh, somebody reaching you? Well, go to my website. It's georgegergian.com. That's J-E-R-J-I-A-N, georgegergian.com. Um, have a look around. I've got blogs. Have a look at the courses. There's only two. There's the online recorded, pre-recorded one, and there's a long, um, an online live one, which I do about four times a year, and it's, uh, re it repeats itself four times a year. So try and get on to the next one if you want. So it's georgegergian.com. Great. And for those of you out there that are... Getting close to that that so-called retirement stage, and you know, thinking about what you're going to do and the important the mindset. Uh, I hope you've learned a little bit today, uh, George. This has been this has been great. And if you want some more information, you can go to George's website, like he mentioned, and really start thinking about. It. And even if you are retired and you're kind of struggling and figuring out what to do, these are all exercises that you still can, that you still can do. Correct, George. Absolutely. Thank you, Larry. Great. Thank you so much again, George. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Gentlemen, this has been fantastic. What a, a, an incredible podcast. So much food for thought. I love the, the meeting of the minds here because George Larry has spoken about that second act, spoken about doing something, finding a passion, even developing a hobby before you retire that maybe could turn into something for you for an income or whatever. Larry's covered a ton in these podcasts. So George, thank you so much for being here. Of course, Larry, thank you for facilitating this. And our last thank you goes to you listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Life Unlimited podcast with Larry Heller. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'd appreciate a like and a follow there as well. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review because this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Hello Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.